The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletical Physical Therapy and CDW. And good evening, everybody. Welcome into another show. Jeff Joniak, top there. Jim Miller with you as we got a full lineup once again to tackle the Bears this week. Good to have you alongside, fellas. Brought to you by GS Energy. Thanks for listening, everybody. We've got Tris Dickens handling the controls in our score studios. Our producer, Jordan Treadup, Dan Brilli helping us out as well. Coming up at 610, Dieter Iceland. He is an undrafted free agent guard prospect. And he is going to join the program. Interesting journey to the NFL because all roads lead to the NFL no matter where or what country. And then at 6.30, Tom's good buddy and mine, Pete Bursich, who played his high school football at Providence New Lenox. The Minnesota Vikings radio analyst will join us at 6.30. Uh, Jim and Tom, how are you guys handling things? And how's, uh, what's going on in your worlds right now, Big Tom and Jim? Well, you know, like you said, we're getting ready to tackle a little football information. I like how you threw that little play on words because that's kind of what it's about right now. You kind of, in the hopes that the uh, training camp is going to go on and then you kind of take steps accordingly, that's not necessarily the guaranteed case. But in in my world, I got both fingers, cr- all my fingers crossed and hoping it happens. Yeah, we'll get a lot of news uh, hopefully tomorrow. The owners are, are going to meet. Uh, it sounds like, you know, they've come up with uh, uh, some of the agreements on the protocols from the NFL and the NFLPA uh, side of things, you know, about, you know, Players won't be put on uh, uh, NFI, say, if a, a player tests positive uh, for the virus. It'll just be essentially what could be a three-week uh, IR process and almost like roster exemptions that we brought up uh, on the show as well. So teams are able to, uh, to combat this. And it's it's going to be a juggling act. There's there's no doubt. Uh, I think everybody's wondering how this is all going to work out or even if, even if it will kick off. So I think a lot of clarity will happen tomorrow after the owners meet. And the clarification on that football injury list uh, versus non-football injury list is that they would still get full pay if they are COVID-19 ineligible. And and that's really the key thing. And and I think that's fair given the environment right now. Fellas, you agree? Oh, I agree 100% with you, Jeff, that if you're going to go out there and you're going to put yourself out there with the possibility of contracting the virus by, you know, rubbing elbows, having collisions, doing everything that you need to do in football in order to be prepared, I, I do think they need the protection. But, yeah. Jim, then you have to be responsible, though, off the field. And you got to be uh, accountable to your teammates and the building. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a sacrifice, uh, you know, for five months to get your, your team and, and, uh, and your ability to get through the season. Yeah, I, I really do. I think players got to be accountable. And, you know, every, and I brought this up that every coach asks players with, you know, that initial mission, uh, the initial mission statement by every coach is just about, hey, can you make the commitment, the dedication to, to this organization, your teammates? We know it's a, basically essentially a, a five, six month deal. And I think players will have to approach it differently. Say, hey, you know, I'm well, after I leave the facility. You know, I just know for myself personally, I actually had this conversation with my wife. I said, Leah, if this was happening when I played, could you make, would you make the commitment where I stayed away, whether it's at a hotel or somewhere in a bubble and I just FaceTimed the kids? She said, absolutely. And I'm wondering if guys will make that type of 
commitment and dedication because I, I personally know I would. And I saw J.J. Watt's tweet tonight from uh, uh, the Houston Texans. He's like, hey, players want to play. And he reiterated uh, th- three times that the players want to pr- play. And I think a lot of players do. And we'll just see how commit committed they are and how ac- accountable they can be to make the ki- type of commitment they're going to need to to make in order this for, to be pulled off. And, Tom, you made that commitment as a player. I mean, you put aside certain things in order to get through a season. Yeah, you know, you have to. um, You know, Jeff, whether you have an injury early in training camp and you know I can play with this thing, it's going to have some pain involved in it, but I think I can get through to the end of the season. I think everybody and a lot of guys that I played with, you know, struggled with that part of football. So this is a completely different type of health commitment because you kind of know what you're possibly getting into when you commit yourself to the sport. But this is unlike a knee injury. This There's, a you know, more things that can happen with this. But, again, I, I would st- – if I was a young man, I know that I would have to and I'd be willing to commit to it. And just what we're hearing on t- Twitter and whatnot, you know, J.J. Watt, you mentioned that, you know, they, they don't have all the information yet. And I know some teams could start actually bringing guys in on Saturday, rookies, or even next Tuesday for rookies. And then if it all goes well, nobody's really got a set date. The NFL's eyeballing the 28th, uh, whether that is or not the case. They don't have all the info yet on exactly the infectious disease protocols. They will. Teams are, have been working on this for months. The testing protocols, what happens financially if somebody does get the positive COVID but nothing has been agreed upon, as Jim pointed out. But it's not as if, for the fans out there, it's not as if this is a complete in the dark, oh, we're just going to throw it at you. This will be a discussion, and and the owners will have that opportunity tomorrow to kick it around and present it to the union. It sounds like they've had pretty good talks, uh, you know, over the last couple of days doing framework and stuff like that. It's going to be a process like these other sports have been, and everything you've heard, Jim, is pretty much in that vein. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I, you know, I, again, I think ultimately the, the players do want to play. We, we already know there, there are some players with underlying issues. Mark uh, Andrews, a tight end for the Baltimore Ravens. He's got diabetes said, yeah, he goes, I think this could be a special year uh, for, for the Baltimore Ravens. So, you know, he, he does have some legitimate concerns and I, I don't think anybody would be upset if any player did elect to, to opt out. But uh, as, as I mentioned for these GMs, it's kind of going to be a juggling act. You have to have players available because I think everybody understands if there are, and luckily they've gone down, whether it's uh, in the MLS, Major League Soccer, or even the NBA, uh, you know, the positive tests have gone down. Teams are going to have to have a reserve to tap into, you know, say before a, a practice or a game, a tight end or a running back goes down, you better have a stash of players that you can tap into to, to fill those roster spots. Right now, the union releasing 72 known cases of players through last Friday, July 10th, about 2.5% of the 2,800-player NFL. Coming up next, one of the newbies of the NFL for the Bears, Dieter Iceland, South African native, former rugby star and Olympic weightlifter, now a Chicago Bear trying to win a job on the roster at offensive line. He'll join us next on Bears All Access here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Jeff Joniak, along with Tom Thayer and Jim Miller, former Bears, here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score and a warm welcome to one of the new Chicago Bears, undrafted rookie offensive lineman Dieter Eisland. Good evening. Welcome to the program. We've read your story. We've followed your 
path to the National Football League. It's quite the journey and certainly not traditional from uh, South Africa to rugby to Olympic weightlifting to Yale uh, and a few stops in between. How does it feel to be in the National Football League, Dieter? Thank you so much for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. It's definitely a dream come true and something that I didn't think was possible uh, six or seven years ago. So I'm really fortunate to have this opportunity in front of me, and I'm ready to seize it. You know, one of the things about you is that people should know because many players don't have direct paths, obviously. They don't have the pedigree necessarily as a first or second-round pick. Uh, but you you wanted this so badly. You made decisions growing up where you did to come to the United States, play in a high school football camp in Virginia, get recruited without even planning a game uh, from Yale, and then become a three-and-a-half-year starter on the offensive line, you had to make a lot of self-sacrifice. Uh, why so much self-sacrifice to come into this league when you could have played many other sports? What was it about football that caught your attention? I just love football the moment that I actually sat down and watched the game when I was 16. Um, I just loved the strategy that's involved with it, how every single person has a specific responsibility that they have to fulfill in order to achieve success as a team. And I just love the physicality of football. I mean, I played rugby growing up um, all my life, but the physicality in football is just unmatched, and I really relish the physicality of it and punishing people. Well, Dieter, as a former offensive lineman, I couldn't be pulling for you anymore. I'm so happy, and I look forward to your journey. But, you know, when you start playing in a sport, football, that we're all accustomed to since Pop Warner, but then you start playing it later and be, uh, you know, more around in college, what's harder for you, the actual athleticism of of the sport or the language and terminology you have to learn and use to play the sport? I think for me, originally coming in the latter, the language was definitely a little bit harder. I mean, I soon realized the disparity that exists between watching football and actually trying to play it. I mean, when I went to that camp in Virginia, I didn't know what the E and B gaps were. So I, I, had, a, I had a far way to go. But luckily, I was a good athlete and a good, really good athlete for my size. So I was luckily able to figure it out once I knew what to do mentally and Luckily, I was able to do that during my freshman year where I felt like I was forced to develop a lot really quickly. So I think just getting thrown into the fire by my uh, offensive line coach that I had at Yale during my freshman year was really a key turning point for me as a player. Well, Jeff mentioned you got 34 starts at Yale. Was there ever a time at Yale that you were tempted to maybe go to that next college level to challenge your skills or were you always content with being at Yale? Well, I think that I really love the Yale experience, and I'm really fortunate for what um, the school did for me and the position that it put into me and got me a great degree. I think that if I had the opportunity to um, grad transfer to another school, if I had not played my freshman year, I think that I probably would have taken advantage of that. I think that I had the talent and the size and the physicality and the athleticism to start at a lot of schools, uh, a lot of FBS uh, programs around the country. So I think that's something that I would have taken advantage of. But I'm really fortunate for my Yale experience, and it's it was just a dream uh, the past four years. 
Well, Dieter, you've, you've worked hard, and congratulations for working yourself. It's been at an accelerated pace to get to this opportunity. And, and now it's, you know, you look, you haven't even been able to practice yet with, with your teammates. And maybe just talk about what is your mindset heading into to training camp, your first one of your young career. Yeah, obviously we're in a very unique situation, but I feel like our meetings that we've had over Zoom starting in May have really been productive. I've really enjoyed getting to know the coaching staffs and especially Coach Castillo and my fellow rookies. And it's not like we were slacking the the whole time. We were really working hard. I had to adjust to the new techniques that Coach Castillo were uh, was teaching us and I really trying to ingrain that into my body and I send him videos on a daily basis, just doing the same thing over and over and over again until it's second nature. So obviously it's a very unique situation with everything going on uh, right now with the novel coronavirus. And uh, we don't know necessarily what's going to happen in terms of training camp being delayed or uh, unique protocols or all that. But, all I know is that whatever opportunity is put in front of me, whenever that is, whether that's next week or a month from now, I'm going to seize it to the best of my ability. Well, let me follow it up. Can you give maybe an example of a, of a technique, like you said, because once it becomes rope memory, you know, that's when it, when it sinks in and you're just kind of reacting uh, from that standpoint. But what specifically do you, do you feel you've had to work on in terms of those techniques from Coach Juan Castillo? <laughs> Yeah, so Coach Castillo is a great um, pass protection technique that's very different from what I used to do in college that is preset to the different defensive alignments of the defensive linemen. And it's just something new that I had to learn that's a lot more detailed and specific, but I think it makes a lot of sense. And all the film that we've watched of his past guys who have followed that same pass protection technique, it works. So I've just fully dedicated myself to learning it every day and really just getting used to it. it was very foreign at the beginning but I feel like I've become so much better technically and I wish that I had learned that while I was in college because I feel like it would have elevated my game even more so I'm really excited to put it to the test and on the field Bears rookie guard Dieter Iceland, our guest here on Bears all access on Chicago Sports Radio 670th score Jeff Tom and Jim Dieter tell us what Stellenbosch, South Africa, is like, and there are a lot of kids playing football over there. Unfortunately, I think I'm the only player uh, <laughs> from there. <laughs> but hopefully hopefully, I can inspire some other uh, South African kids as well. But um, Stellenbosch is a great town. It's really beautiful, very close to um, Cape Town. That's a little bit more famous. But Stellenbosch is just a little bit north, and it's got beautiful mountains and vineyards and it snows on the mountain peaks a little bit in the winter time that it is there right now so it's it's a really beautiful place with uh, a lot of rich history so i i love to go back and visit my family and i hope to see them soon barring everything that's going on in the world right now so Dieter, i have a two-part question i read about your olympic weightlifting background are you still able to incorporate in that your football strength training number one and number two have you ever surfed in south africa so, uh, luckily, I am able to incorporate Olympic weightlifting into my strength program. I love doing hand cleans and power cleans and snatches and all of that. So, luckily, I have, I've built the foundation in order to succeed in those things. And I think they're great movements to build your explosiveness and your speed and your power and all of that. So, I, 
I love Olympic weightlifting and I owe a lot to the sport. And uh, unfortunately, I have not surfed as much as I would like to, but I would really love to in the future. So um, I think that once I don't weigh 320 pounds, I'll I'll I'll, tick, I'll tackle that endeavor. <laughs> well, give the listeners an example because uh, obviously in the weight room and you've probably done a lot of max lifts uh, in the weight room. Say the hang clean, what you're just about. What what type of weight are we talking about that you could max out on? So my max that I've done hang clean is uh, 385. That's my best that I've ever done. And when I was competing, um, when I was 17, 18 years old, and the full clean and jerk, I did uh, 365, and then the full snatch, I did 315. So I'll tell you what, nobody was better in the weight room than Tom Thayer back in his day with the Bears. So, Tom, how do those numbers stack up with a, with a young guard out of Notre Dame back in the day? Well, Dieter, I think the first time you get into Hallis Hall, I think those lifts are impressive, but I want to tell you about Clyde Emmerich, who's up in Hallis Hall waiting to greet you. He's one of the greatest <laughs> Olympic lifters in the history of the sport. He's read about you, and he wants to meet you. So when you do get a chance, go out and seek the oldest guy in the building, and that's Clyde Emmer, because he wants to you know, hear about your weightlifting um, venture over your lifetime. Yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to, and hopefully have some tips so I can hopefully add some <laughs> 20 pounds or so. That would be great. <laughs> Well, the big part of it is uh, it's all about want to when you're in the weight room. And, you know, Tom's taught me and Jim has taught me many times off-seasons are really where a team develops the bond and the chemistry and the desire to be a winner. And before any media gets their eyes on them, before any fans get their eyes on them, and even before, frankly, coaches do, and it's in that weight room, or as, as Jim's team in 2001, they knew they were going to be a winning team, and, and they did. They, go, they, they won the division. They go to the playoffs. <clears throat> Short of that, this is your first experience in your football playing life not to have that type of offseason, and you're a rookie, and you're undrafted, and you're relatively, in, in terms of experience level, new to the game in, in many respects. Does that create an opportunity in addition to the challenge for you that uh, you're, you're basically something that's going to be molded into an NFL player? Yeah, I mean, I think that I've, I've faced long odds before, and I'm truly a believer that, you are responsible for the opportunities that are created in front of you and you're responsible for seizing it to the best of your ability. So I think that those are true things, but I don't look at them as negatives. I just view them as obstacles to be conquered. So I know that it's one thing that's lacking with the off season now is just the ability to actually run plays together and get that team chemistry that's so key. But I think that a lot of guys have been really been studying diligently on their iPad. So hopefully once we get there, everyone will be on the same page and we can just hit the ground running. So that's definitely what I envision happening and hopefully it can come to fruition. Hey, Dieter, are you, um, do you have the ability to do the proper conditioning to get ready for training camp? Excuse me, because, you know, I don't know if there's things you've learned in your past that get you prepared for the conditioning part of it, or has uh, coach Juan Castillo been able to, um, tell you or encourage you to do any type of specific conditioning drills? Yeah. So, I mean, for the conditioning itself, I think that what I do is I usually simulate uh, running a 12 to 15 play drive and I just pick random plays in my head and I simulate it on air. And then every 25 to 30 seconds, I just run it again and go over again. So I do that in conjunction with actually running 
the conditioning for the conditioning tests that we've been doing. And that's always really good to get yourself into that top end shape. But I think just simulating those drives is what I've been doing uh, to prepare myself. Well, in, in my experience, it's just how quickly you can make a routine for yourself. I know you've probably been in a routine for the Zoom meetings and how you go out on and get your work done to to apply it. But for training camp, you know, it's, a lot of it is about getting a routine and, and just really getting to the to the grind of things. How how quickly did you settle into that UT routine at Yale where you could excel, which you did? And how, you know, do you think you'll be able to quickly be able to do that here in Chicago from that standpoint? Yeah, I think that routine and um, self-discipline is so key to success. I think that uh, that's something that I've tried to apply to everything that I do um, in my life because I think that um, it prevents you from giving in to your moods or your feelings of that day, and you just give in to what your self-discipline is and allow that to dictate what you need to do, which is the hard work. So I think that that's something that I did throughout my time at Yale and why I was able to succeed as a student and as, and as an athlete is just by controlling my time effectively. And I look forward to doing that in Chicago now that football is my sole job. So now I have 24 seven to dedicate to it. And I look forward to dedicate all my time to it to get better every day. Dieter, before we let you go, we really appreciate all the time you've carved out for us here. We hope to have you on again someday. Um, Real quick. We're very thrilled that you watched that Notre Dame Stanford game in 2012 because maybe you never would have played the sport is that is that far-fetched to say or no I don't think so I think that that was such a great game and it was really uh, just a thrilling experience for me I just I remember just passing through channels and seeing it on there and just giving it a chance to watch and I couldn't stop watching it and out of that my obsession with the sport grew so I'm really fortunate for that, and I'm really lucky because of where I am at the moment. Well, our guy Tom here is a Notre Dame grad as well. I'm sure you did your homework on that one because you sound like you got everything buttoned up, ready to go. And uh, what'd you major in, by the way? What'd you get your degree in? I double majored in economics and political science. Very good. Well, congratulations. Uh, It's a great story. I I think a lot of people and a lot of Bears fans are going to be interested in watching you develop every single day at camp. And a a big smile on Tom Thayer's face right now as a fellow offensive lineman and former starting guard for the Super Bowl Bears in 85. Dieter, good luck to you, and uh, we'll see you soon up in Chicago. Thank you so much. Dieter Iceland from Yale, undrafted rookie free agent. Joining the program, coming up at 6.30, Pete Bursich, another local product uh, making good. The Vikings analyst will break down the Vikings for 2020. With Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak. Let's take a break here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Back with you on Bears All Access. This segment is, as I try and find my copy, brought to you by All Access. Excuse me, brought to you by CDW. People who get it, learn more at cdw.com. I was in a conversation with Tom during the break, so I got distracted, Jim Miller, talking about a different sport, sport obviously. But uh, Chambeau uh, today at the, uh, the Memorial in Dublin had a 435-yard drive and a 405-yard drive today. And uh, Tom was giving me the rundown well, on his he- strength. He, he went and gained strength because he saw these young guys that were hitting the ball so far. So he said, this is the way to golf now. Hit it as far as you can off the tee and then play golf from there. But he was one over for today. So the whole thing Ooh. of drive for show, right? But I'll tell you, he is, he is a heck of a golfer. All right, joining the program, a good friend of ours, 
homegrown from Providence New Lenox High School and Notre Dame seventh round pick of the Minnesota Vikings in his playing days and now the veteran analyst on radio for the Minnesota Vikings we begin our series of previews on the rest of the division as we await the 2020 season and start a training camp Pete Bursich Pete thanks for taking the time how you doing and what is going on up there in Minneapolis well I don't know what's going on in Minneapolis I'm, I'm out in Winfield uh, oh, by Cantigny okay. for for a baseball oh. game I so didn't my even fiance know that. Was, yeah, I've been hanging out in Hinsdale lately. It's a nice little, nice town. If you ever been there? Yeah, nice little burg. Nice little burg. <laughs> a guy of your ilk can afford those kind of towns. Um, you know, yeah. Are well, you coaching? Are you coaching? Are you coaching? Are you watching uh, somebody play baseball? Nope, just watching. Just watching my stepson to be. Uh, my fiance lives in Hinsdale, so I'm out here. I mean, I just it's it's just awesome to be out here on a beautiful day, just watching baseball. I mean, this is what you're supposed to do in the summer, and this is uh, this is fabulous. Beautiful day. Everything's everything's great, man. Well, that Cantini Golf Course, Eric. Beautiful area. Great track. Uh, now, Tom and Jim and Pete, are we going to be watching football? That's the big question. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think so. I mean, the question of whether or not the fans are in the stands, you know, I don't know. The one thing about football, though, and I've been to as many professional-type sports as I can, from NASCAR to PGA to tennis to everything, it's the only sport that's as good, almost as good if not better at home, than when you're actually there. So I think if, the, if it's just played on the field with no fans, it's still, you know, it's still going to be a pretty entertaining product. It'll be really odd for the players, um, but uh, I don't think. I mean, I still think it'll be very, very successful and highly watched. If if that's in case, if that's indeed what happens, and that's about where I think it's going to be. Hey Pete, but when we're watching the new Minnesota Vikings, it seems like they have a lot of veteran player loss, and they're filling it with a lot of young guys. How is that transition going to go? Um, because they have the veterans to break some of these young guys in. But, you know, you're doing a lot when you're counting on a lot of young players and, with this type of offseason. Yeah, and, and that's – and, Tom, you're exactly right. I mean, they drafted 15 guys uh, this spring at the draft. I mean, and if they all make the team, theoretically, you're talking over a third of your roster, you know, being rookies. And, you know, I, I just don't – I just don't see – you know, that happening, and I think where we're really, really young is going to be, you know, at the, at the wide receiver position. We hope that Justin Jefferson's able to come in and, and give us some juice with Adam Thielen. Uh, but still, I mean, you know, outside of guys like Braylon Addison and some others, we, you know, Tajay Sharp, you don't have a lot of veteran depth. And, you know, our, we've, we've, we, 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 hit, we hit it right in the wide receiver draft in 1998, but it's been a, kind of a mixed bag since then. <laughs> for us at drafting wide receivers. We've drafted more wide receivers in the first round in the last 10 years than any other team in the NFL. And so hopefully, you know, they get Justin Jefferson correct, you know, get him right. And, you know, losing Diggs was big. And what was big is his explosiveness and his ability to, you know, to, to get behind a defense. And when you have Dalvin Cook and you're hurting teams with Dalvin Cook, they got to do something to stop him. And, you know, Diggs. You know, Diggs went. Diggs averaged about 18 yards of reception last year. Two years ago, he averaged about 10. That eight-yard jump was the biggest in the NFL on an average per catch basis. So, you know, we need someone to be explosive and get behind defenses. And I guess we'll see if Justin Jefferson can do it. Well, you know, you see, you keep talking about getting behind defenses, and I kind of want to go to your defense. This is a Mike Zimmer-led football team that usually defense is highlighted. 
And is Harrison Smith now the most important leader on that entire defense? Because you had a selection, guys, on the, the defensive line of scrimmage linebacker, but Harrison Smith, I think he was voted the second-best defensive back in the league. But is he your team leader now? Yeah, he's, he's going to have to be. And we are going to be very, very, very young at the corner, you know, at the cornerback position. Mike Hughes will be our other veteran or our, our veteran <laughs> corner, and he has not been around, you know, for too long. Um, Holton Hill's been around a little bit, but he's, you know, he's been in trouble. He was, he had some issues off the field coming into the draft, which allowed him to fall. He had some, uh, you know, he missed about half the season last year. Uh, and that's why we drafted really three cornerbacks, I believe, in the first three rounds. So, I mean, you have to find bodies to put out there, and it's going to have to be simple. And I think you're absolutely right, Tom. And you look at the division, whoever's fielding the most veteran teams, um, you know, it was already bad enough with how much camp was cut down. Or really, it's not even training camp anymore, as you know it, Tom. But, you know, it's really, you know, the veteran teams and the guys who have been and played and and no defenses. And when they step in, those are the guys, I think, that are going to have a much better shot, even if we go to a limited, especially if we go to a limited preseason with only a couple of games instead of all four and everything else. So we'll see. Pete, Jim Miller, thanks for joining us. And I love Jeff Gladney. I love both your, your first round picks, but how, how has he progressed? And I know everything's been virtual, but he, you know, this guy's a tough guy played basically the entire year at TCU with uh, uh, the torn meniscus. And then he waited till after the combine to get the surgery. I mean, is there any updates uh, on where he's at health wise in, in order to return and be ready to go for the Vikings? Uh, unfortunately, no. I mean, we, you know, we haven't, we haven't been allowed anywhere near a facility and that, you know, and that's, so we haven't been able to see him on the hoof or, you know, do anything, but, you know, having a number of those surgeries on my knee, it all depends on, you know, the, the nature of the injury. If it's a, uh, if it's just a little repair where you have to take some out and I think he'll be just fine. If it's a detachment, you know, that's usually something a little different, but to have an entire, this amount of time for the meniscus to heal, uh, I think, you know, I think he'll be just fine, but you know, he, he's, he's going to be a good player. I think the other guys got in Cameron Dantzler, uh that we drafted. Now Cameron Dantzler did not do, he didn't have a great combine. Uh, he had a bad 40 time somewhere in the four sixes. But when you watch him on film, he's a lot faster than that. He never had a chance to have a pro day. And I think this year you're going to see a ton of that with the draft picks is the guys that didn't do great at the combine, but didn't have a chance to have a pro day. And they fell because you know how the draft works. It's all about the numbers really. And you're going to see, I think some guys that are picked in the third round, fourth round, really step up and, and be starters. And, Cameron Dantzler is, a, you know, he's six foot two, 190 pounds, played at Mississippi State, but he's he's more of your stereotypical corner that Mike Zimmer likes, more like an Xavier Rhodes type player. Let me ask you, I know we'll probably get more clarity as the owners are, are meeting tomorrow, but players have thrown out some of they, their protocols they would like. They don't even want to do 11 on 11 during training camp, but just your experiences <laughs> and, my, and my experiences, I mean, this is kind yeah, of a do-it league. Yeah. You, you and, know, that has, and that has nothing to do with COVID, by the way. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's a good point, too. But, you know, oh, I'm just know. thinking, oh. yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking, how can you accomplish, say, for a young receiver like Justin Jefferson? How's he going to know when to break hot if you don't even do a live blitz period? Yeah. Say, in well, you know what? Here's here's the thing, and I think we've hit that precipice. Is, you know, training camp is is there for a reason. It's It's so you condition your body to take the beating that it does every Sunday and then you're able to come back the following Sunday and be at 99% of what you were the week before. And they've already, I mean, you, I've already seen preseason games where, you know, it's, it's middle of the field, it's second and two, and teams can't even run a deep route because the receivers' tongues are hanging out of their mouths because they're not in shape, you know? So it, I, I think that if you, if you do something like that, it's just going to make it tougher on these guys to stay healthy. And, you know, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, that's just my two cents. And, you know, take it or leave it. Pete Bursage, Vikings analyst on radio up in Minneapolis. Joining us here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller. Let's talk Kirk Cousins because uh, after the first month of the season, he flat out tore it up. You can make a case that uh, he put up some of the best numbers, if not the best numbers in the NFL. I think it was 23-4 and four in the TD-to-interception ratio, and things started to liven up offensively. Uh, where is his head is at? Uh, and a new offensive coordinator with a familiar face and a familiar name in Gary Kubiak. Yeah, and I think the Kubiak sticking around is, is going to be huge because nothing's really going to change as far as you know, how the offense works, what you call certain motions. And, you know, those, so the learning curve is going to be, uh, you know, a lot more flat. And it usually takes two seasons to really get a system fully installed. So I think in that respect, you know, Cousins is going, to, is going to be just fine. I think what they have learned with Cousins, and we tried to do this in the Green, game, in the Green Bay game at home when Dalvin Cook was injured, and that's make, him, make Cousins a pocket passer. He's, he can't sit in the pocket 35 times, 40 times a game. And you're not, you know, you're not going to win. You have to have a good running game. You have to have him on the move with the bootlegs and the play actions and things like that. You know, I think, I think really across the NFL, quarterbacks' passer ratings with play actions have all been, you know, a lot of them have been north of 100. Quarterbacks are just better when there is the threat of a running game, and we have to have that. And I think from an attitude standpoint, I think Cousins has taken a little bit more on his shoulders than he has in the past. You know, he's not, he, he's not that physical type leader type of a guy he's not a tough guy right so i don't know how well he do in chicago he's just not a tough guy uh but he does have unbelievable down the field accuracy and that's you know off the play action throwing it deep i mean that's the kind of stuff that that he does well and uh i think it's going to be a huge advantage for the vikings you know and the packers uh having veteran quarterbacks coming back uh into this fall Hey, Pete, you know, I played in the USFL, so I know what it's like to have no crowd noise at the opponent's home stadium. So what about, you know, the, the weapon of the crowd you know, Tom, noise? I, you know, I, I actually might have been at one of your games. You know that, right, As, when, well, you, that when you, you were with the USFL. Well, you are the person in the stands then. So can, that's kind of my point, because when you think about when we travel to Minnesota or teams go to Seattle – and they have these crowds that are as supportive as anybody in the league, and it really helps mm-hmm. the defense. How do you think football will be this year when you're, you, can, you can transfer your signals to any stadium you play in or the offense can hear the cadence in any stadium they play yeah. in? Yeah, that, I mean, those things, that's the minutiae of the game that's, that's uh, definitely going to change. You know, the hard counts, 
Um, you know, you go down, I mean, especially places like New Orleans where you can't even hear yourself think. Uh, these places, like you said, Seattle, that are just so loud. Uh, you know, that that's definitely, you know, that's definitely gonna gonna change the way defenses operate. Um, I think it's gonna, you know, allow guys to hear a hell of a lot more. But already mentally taxed, how much more they can hear? You know, I don't know. Uh, it, it will be. It'd be interesting to see though what players respond and don't respond because Tom, you know this. It's the, it's the like the late Fred Zambrelletti who was the trainer for the Vikings for 50 years said it's the roar of the crowd. That's what that's what gets you going. That's what gets you pumped up and, and you know makes this thing all worthwhile. And when you get out there and that atmosphere isn't that way, certain guys I think are going to actually do better, and I think other guys just aren't are not going to respond well to the fact that there might not be any crowd noise, you know, whatsoever. And so I think hopefully at the end of all of this, the players will walk away with a lot more appreciation for the fans and what they do and the noise that they provide. Not that they take them for granted, but in the NFL, the fan, there's such a distance between fans and players. You know, they're, they're, there's no, not down on the field. It's there's this big distance. And without the fans being in there, I think the players are going to walk away you know, after a couple of weeks of it and be like, listen, this is, this is no fun. We want, you know, we want fans back in the stands because that's what makes all of this worthwhile. Well, how old's your stepson, Pete? Uh, 12. Oh, 12. Alex Rediger watching, uh, uh watching the, uh, Hinsdale, uh, Hinsdale traveling baseball team out here against Winfield. Okay. So, cause you got me. I heard they're pretty Pete. good. I got, I bet the, I bet the over Tom. So <laughs> hopefully they'll get more than 14 runs scored in this game. So there's a little well, shady got, guy taking bets. You got me excited because I just signed my <laughs> six-year-old up for, for fall flag football. So I, I'm hoping that commences <laughs> without a problem. Awesome. But it's good to see sports are up and running and it's starting to come back. Yeah, and hopefully this spike doesn't is. stop uh, the NFL players from playing. No, absolutely not. And, you know, just think positive and keep going. And, I, you know, it, it, I just – with all – with this gap that's been in athletics, if the NFL can get this thing going – and hit it right. I don't. I don't see how it couldn't be one of the more profitable years that the NFL has. I mean, I know baseball is about a third of their income is on ticket sales and all that, but my God, I mean, the TV ratings are going to be off the charts if the NFL can get this together and put a product out there. And, and uh, hopefully that'll be the case because I, if I'm not calling games in the fall, and it's going to be it's going to be tough. You know, I might have to hang on a Joniak's house and just watch some film, and you know, we can uh, we can yell at each other, and you know, maybe uh, you know, maybe Thayer and I can take turns being the play-by-play guy because we both—that's all we want to be. You know, a guy like Thayer and me, all we want to be is the play-by-play voice, but we're relegated. We're relegated to filling in dead airtime in between plays. Yeah, nothing but. You guys are you guys are pros. You guys are experts. Um, all right, before we let you go, and I know you, you got things to do, so appreciate it. Um, no, what's no, your, no, what, what's right. a what's a Vikings view of the Bears, uh, a team that has really been uh, a difficult opponent for the Vikings over the years, and again last season. What's your view? Yeah, especially yeah, especially you know, especially at your place. I think um, the one thing that I noticed or that we saw and we talked about. And with, with the Bears, is I, what have you guys done to address the guard position? Because, you know, the offensive line um, has been, I think, has been the problem, so to, so to speak, because you're not, you're not actually letting your quarterback play the way I think he's, he's, he's best at playing. I mean, obviously, people are disappointed in what he's done and how he's playing, which is why he brought Foles in. 
But at the same time, I don't care who you put back there if if he's going to be getting pressured because guards and pass protection now are so important. I mean, Thayer would have made millions now instead of uh, tens of thousands of dollars had he played right now and been able to pass protect because some of your best pass rushers are interior defensive linemen. So, um, you know, for us, I think, for and for the Bears, I mean, if you guys stay healthy on defense, <laughs> you know, obviously you're going to be really, really good. And then offensively, just sh- you know, shoring up that offensive line. All right, Pete, can't wait to break it all down when it actually starts up again. Thanks for joining us, I man. Know. Have a great time here in Chicago. All right, man. Hopefully, we'll, hopefully we'll get to see you in a couple weeks, a couple months, or whatever time it is. I just hope we get to see you. Sounds good, man. Good to talk to you, Pete. Stay healthy. Stay good. Say hi to everybody. Pete Bursich, Vikings analyst on radio. Joining us, we'll have more with Jim Miller and Tom Thayer after this break on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Fans with Tide Cleaners at home pickup and delivery. Cleaning your clothes has never been easier. Simply sign up at your local store, set out your dirty clothes, and one of our Tide Cleaners professionals will come directly to your home for a totally contactless experience. Visit TideCleaners.com to learn more. Jeff Joniak, top there. I'm laughing, Jim, because Tom goes old school now. He does his laundry. He hangs it out on a clothing line outside. That's how he dries it. That's like the good old days like Mama used to do. That's right. Yeah, you know, you you need that uh, breezy wind, but it does smell better when it's hung outside like that. You get that breeze through the wind, so your your <laughs> clothes smell good. I used to love that as a kid. Tom, you're well, so my de- my re- my recently departed mom would be so proud of me to carrying on what she did my whole life, and it's still the same clothesline, same clothespins, and everything. So when I do it, I think of her. Yep, good idea. Uh, looking down and uh, seeing her son take care of business. All right, coming up this week, and it's been started since Tuesday, uh, the Bears launching their three-part documentary series, uh, Meet the Rookies, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Uh, it's the sixth year in a row that this has been done, a little different, obviously, this year. Lauren Screeden joined me and uh, remotely, obviously, doing it by Zoom. But it tells the story of three players uh, and their journey to the NFL in their own words and uh, – these are all going to be combined on a Fox 32 show coming up on Saturday at 9.30 p.m. and on Sunday at 10 p.m. this week. So meet the rookies. Check it out. Those rookies include Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson, and Travis Gibson, fellas. And I know you guys have seen some of the pieces online. They've been coming out. Um, and, Tom, Travis uh, is really a driven young man. He's a fifth-round pick, and you can't get him off the topic of what put that chip on his shoulder, and it's that he got one division college offer, and it still bugs him. And we asked him over and over different ways of saying what motivates and what drives. It came back to that simple fact. And if that's enough to carry a guy to be successful and a star player in this league, then so be it. Oh, I I think Khalil Mack is kind of the same way because he didn't have a lot of scholarship offers either coming out of high school. And then you look what he transformed into. Travis Gibson, you know, Jeff, when I watched the the rookie thing that you and Lauren did, I so I'm I you know, I'm always impressed with guys that have an athletic bloodline. And he does, man. His dad is a big athlete. Like you mentioned, his grandfather played for the Raiders. His brother six, is a bas- basketball player at six eight. And so yeah, this guy is driven by positive athletic influences in his life. And I, I really hope he gets a chance to flourish. But when I was when I after it all was over, Jeff, I was wondering, are we looking at Khalil or are we looking at Robert Quinn? So I, I don't you mean know in terms of stylistically? 
a little bit of everything. Yeah. Are we looking at a defensive end that's going to be in a three-point stance? Are we looking at a linebacker that's going to be rushing out of a two-point stance? Are we looking at a guy that has a lot of different instincts in Robert Quinn or a guy that's as destructive as Khalil Mack? So I can't wait to actually get my eyes on him. Jim, I'm thinking they're going to start him out at outside linebacker and see how he grows. I mean, we're talking about a 220-pound kid when he showed up at Tulsa. Yeah, and he has. He has grown into his body, and he's got tremendous athleticism. But, hey, whatever drives you, Jeff. I mean, if it's being overlooked, so be it. Use it to the best of your ability and dig deep in that tank to fulfill what you want to get done. If that's what drives you, go get it. Jim Miller, top there. Jeff Joniak, one more segment to go. We're to the top of the hour on Bears All Access with Chris Dickens, our producer, on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Hey, Bears fans, it's important to stay connected now more than ever. And at Motorola, we love making that possible with the new Razor. You can enjoy staying connected a little bit more. It's a phone. It's an accessory. It's an icon reinvented. Hello, Moto. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller wrapping things up. Another edition of Bears All Access. All right, some quick hitters, fellas. I like doing it in the final segment. We've got about three minutes to go. What position needs preseason more than any other? And I'm not talking about practice. I'm talking about game action. I don't know if it's going to be zero, one, two, three, or 4, but we're going to find out shortly. We'll start with Jim. Jim, what position group? Uh, I'll just say the whole offense because I think we know what's about. That's no timing, fair. Got to pick a position group. Back up. Timing and mesh points is what I'd say. <laughs> the run game specifically, Tom, take it away. <laughs> well, uh, Jim, I'm, I'm, I'm following your – I'm going with the quarterback position. I don't want a decision to be made during the regular season. If there is no preseason games, I don't want – you know, I, I want some clarity in in this competition because it's the most high-profile competition of the offseason. I'm going to go with offensive line. I, I really think, as we heard from Pete Persich, and that's where the game is won or lost in many cases. So I think it all starts up front. Got to get that thing ironed out. Okay. In terms of Riley Ridley against Javon Wims, and it's more than that. There's more bodies now competing for jobs with different assets. You want a basketball team playing receiver, all shapes and sizes. These guys are similar in their style and so forth. Uh, who needs to and who will have a bigger impact? Tom? I'm going with Riley Ridley. Um, we have a lot of experiences, a lot of plays, a lot of training camp that we've been able to watch Javon Wims. He has the ability, the talent, the athleticism to play, but I think with skills, bloodline of the position, you know, I, I think Riley Ridley can be a, the benefactor this year. Yeah, highly touted in terms of his route running and stuff. I expect a big jump from Riley Ridley. I know the offseason's been the way it is, but uh, I think he's counted on to really make a contribution. All right, when you talk about a guy like Rashad Coward, he's trying to win the starting job at right guard. He's going to compete with Jermaine Effetti, who's got a lot more experience, not necessarily at the guard position, but he's built to play that powerhouse position. Rashad is uh, still raw. Uh, he did get those starts last year. He works extremely hard at what he does. Uh, the value of this still young player, even if he doesn't win that starting job, is what, Tom, there? Seven offensive linemen on the game day activation. You have to be able to play multiple positions. James Daniels, he can play guard or center. Cody Whitehair, guard or center. Rashad Coward's got to be able to play guard and tackle, but he's got to play all four of them. We've seen that he still has some experience to live through. However, he's got to be mentally sharp as anybody out there. Jim? Hey, he's played. He's got some work in. That's money in the bank, all the experience he, he got last year. So he's got to build from uh, upon that uh, as well, and I think he will. 
All right, fellas, we got to run. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. For Jim Miller, Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak saying good night. Chris Dickens, our producer. Dan Brilli, Jordan Dredup, our producers as well. And thanks to Pete Bursich and Dieter Iceland, the undrafted rookie guard. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening to Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Good night. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on ChicagoBears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.